Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion, uh, where I talk to a whole array of different people throughout the music industry about what they do and, most importantly, why they do it. Um, I like focusing on the motivations, like focusing on the why rather than the how, uh, to give those of you who are interested in this area of of the creative industries insights into how and maybe why you might want to get into it yourselves uh, this week's episode is all about pr an area of the industry that i don't know a lot about uh, and it's a conversation with another university of hertfordshire alumni uh, jenny entwistle jenny is the head of media at chuff media pr who focus on who specialize in regional press for a whole range of artists please do check out their website and have a look at their roster for some of the work and things like that and we talk about a whole host of stuff all PR related very very interesting conversation about why PR was interesting about how Jen got into the whole game about how it's evolved and changed in the 10 years that she's been doing it in Uh, really fascinating conversation uh, with someone who's also at time of recording 2020-2021 has also had to deal with being furloughed due to the current pandemic and things like that so lots of lots of stuff interesting stuff to talk about here i hope you enjoy this conversation with jenny entwistle How are you? I'm not bad. I think when we last sort of properly spoke in December, yes, it was at the end of just a very strange period of time for everyone. Very much so. Um, but especially considering the fact that I hadn't properly worked in such a long time, you sort of get to that point where you're just sort of a bit like, I, I, when I get back to it, will I remember what I'm doing? <laughs> Whereas, like, because I'm now back on flexible furlough, it's sort of at that point where, um, fortunately, it's not a case that if you're a runner and you haven't run in a year and then someone says, now you need to run a 5K, you're not going to be able to do it. Because of doing flexible furlough, it's kind of a bit like, you're going to do 1K here, you're going to do 2K here. <laughs> so yeah. it's, I'm getting back into the swing of things, but... Yeah, I think it, it definitely helps with the mental health aspect as well, having mm-hmm. some sort of purpose and drive and that that yep. side of things also. Yeah, so I guess I, I try not to dwell on the covid stuff because it dates <laughs> yeah. it a little bit and I we all have to feel positive like we're not going to be in this. But I guess ha- for someone who was furloughed, who was caught up mm-hmm. in that, and also for someone that we'll come on to a bit later whose job kind of relies a lot on some of the stuff that isn't happening at the moment um how has that been you know from from a personal perspective uh from a mental health perspective how have you coped with it curious um i think because of the fact that i've the majority of my friends work in the industry i haven't felt completely disconnected um, because you still keep up to date with everything that's going on. 
But then on the other side of things, that's kind of almost worse because you see all these things starting to happen and you're like, oh, like, I'm, I'm not involved right now. Because at the beginning of the lockdown, it wasn't as bad because no one was working, no one was doing anything, everything was sort of getting rescheduled. But then when artists were still starting to put album campaigns together and release things and yeah. as from a personal point of view, because of the fact that I wasn't actively involved in these campaigns and I was sort of seeing them go on, it was really hard. Okay. Um, but like from a company perspective, um, we've always done the record side of things as well. It's not just sort of touring. So even though I wasn't actively working things, like my boss was and the company was. So that's kind of what was even weirder as well. Yeah, the fact yeah. that everything was sort of ticking by, but I wasn't working it. <laughs> does it, I guess, does it make you question things were you were you worried or was it just um, a waiting game i was worried for to be fair like a fair few months i don't think i necessarily not that i necessarily didn't need to worry but i think everyone would was worried because it was such an un unprecedented scenario yeah. no one knew what was going on it was just a really odd period of time where when you know that 70 percent 75 80 percent of your job is to do with touring is to do with events when those are suddenly taken away you do think will i have a job that i've done for 10 years at the end of this and it's really scary because you know at least now we sort of know a little bit of what the landscape's going to be like you know that you can adapt and you can grow and Fortunately, because of the fact that there was the furlough scheme implemented, it meant that I was able to keep my job. But uh -huh. there's been many people in the industry that haven't been able to. That it's, it, yeah, it, it definitely sort of like makes you sort of question things, especially being in London and renting and you're spending X yeah. amount in a rented flat when you can't go out, you can't do anything, you don't know how secure your job's going to be. It makes you question sort of the life choices in that regard. Yeah, it's an odd one, that, isn't it? Mm. I guess it's, it's questioning... Yeah, questioning life choices is a little bit... <laughs> yeah, I know where you're coming from there, but it, it, it it's that, you know, because obviously this isn't our fault. Yeah. And and so you kind of go, well, you know, I've, I've put all this time and energy into a, and built a career. It's not like I'm mm. in the first couple of years. It's like a decade into something that I have grown and evolved in and built in that could yeah. all just kind of stop. And it is trying to get your head out of the world of, oh, maybe I should have chose something differently that wasn't just going to stop just in case there was a pandemic, yeah. which is just not helpful <laughs> thinking, is it? No, that's, that's exactly sort of the point of view that you've got to look at it because your mind does wonder like that. But you do need to take a few steps back and you need to think about what you have achieved, what you were going to achieve, where your trajectory was before all of this happened. Yeah. Because it's completely out of everyone's hands. I think, you know, there's only actually sort of like a certain amount of jobs that have become unaffected, that are unaffected. Whereas a lot yeah. of the friends, especially sort of like within the bubble that we're in, the majority of people have been affected one way or, or another mm -hmm. even if they've been working throughout the pandemic obviously everyone's had to change how they work whether yeah. they're working from home or 
they're having to do meetings on Zoom and <laughs> everyone's had to change and adapt and there's been no one that I know that has been unaffected. It's just unfortunately sort of people, some have been more than others. Yeah. So music industry wise in general, then let's move away from, from the pandemic stuff. Uh, <laughs> music industry in general, obviously I like the, yourself, like a lot of us from uni, uh, big music fans it was always yeah. about music it was always making you know cr turning this passion into a career um mm. did you have any idea where you wanted to go within music when you earmarked music as your as your focal point absolutely not i massively fell into doing press it was it was doing press especially regional press and that side of things and event press that was never what I thought I would end up doing but then equally looking back on it I'm not sure I knew what I would end up doing because did you did you care um no yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to work somewhere that um I felt like I got on well with the team I got job satisfaction from it and meant that I sort of was doing what I loved and that ended up being press mm -hmm. but um I started out doing stuff in the industry when I was maybe maybe 13 or 14 taking so pictures I, at gigs but even even before that oh wow okay but <laughs> I started so my my story began <laughs> <laughs> um back when I was when I was 13 years old and I entered a competition for CD UK to ask Busted a question on air. Nice. Um, I, I won the competition, but I was too young. So um, you had to be 16 to basically be on air. And I couldn't because I was 13. Um, but they said that I could attend as the guest of the production manager and she would escort me so I could still be there, but obviously I wouldn't meet the band. Um, so my mom took me up to Riverside Studios on the Saturday. Um, we spent the day sat chatting to the production manager and watched the performance and you know met Kat Dealey and all of that sort of stuff and at the end of it the production manager offhand just said if you want to come back again just drop me an email so I think I went to see the UK maybe something like 20 times <laughs> and because, but because of the fact that I was too young every time I went I got what was the equivalent of a backstage pass nice um and through that, I ended up meeting obviously quite a few different bands and their teams. And I ended up working quite closely with um, a product manager at Mercury Records for um, a couple of her artists. So um, Son of Dork, which was James from James Bourne, James from Busted's band. And I got to know them all quite well. And also Matt Willis. So I was almost like the fan liaison. So if they wanted to sort of um, try something out with the website and the fan section or um, when some dog performed on Richard and Judy they basically gave me 30 tickets and I had to find an audience so I did a lot of that stuff even before I even started considering doing gig photography okay. and that sort of I say it ran its natural course but it was more when I was starting to you know do college stuff in the university and I couldn't because I'm from Portsmouth I couldn't pop up to London all the time it just wasn't feasible and I didn't have the money to be able to do it Play up, 
So um, I then started doing gig photography because I found that I could get into gigs for free. Um, <laughs> and I was working for a local web, well, I say a local website, it was a zine called Organised Sound. And the owner, Sarah of Organised Sound, is now the editor of DIY magazine. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a few of us from being 16, 17 years old that have actually got quite far in the industry. Mm. Um, so yeah, I went to university, studied um, at Hertfordshire. Then when it got to an intern, you know, deciding to go do an internship, I was like, who was really nice to me when I was applying for all of these photo passes? And I was like, ah, Chuff Media were always really lovely. And so I just dropped Warren an email asking whether he had any positions open to intern. Um, he asked me for an interview and then, yeah, the rest is history, really. That story, there's a lot of drive in there, yeah. for, especially for someone that of that age. Mm. You can be, you, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking very much from experience here, from saying that when you're a teenager, you can kind of like slide through life a little bit but you you were kind of really like if I can't do this I'm going to do this and then if I can't do this I need to get there and there's a lot of kind of forward momentum there but then also a lot of that has you know you just said that you built up connections Hmm. and that is how it how you got your internship as well so it wasn't like well I'm, I'm gonna just look at all the PR companies again you were I mean at that point did you think PR was going to be the way forward or was was that just one place of, of a number of places that you could have done or was it because you already knew people kind of just nudged you down that road so I think because of all the work that I had done before even going to university it sort of put me in quite a unique position because um, I don't know about you when you're at university but you knew of the key players you knew universal and you knew sony but you didn't necessarily know about the management companies or the pr teams that was something that you had to almost learn off your own back and so when it got to the point of applying for an internship i think i emailed five different companies some were management some were pr right. it, but it was all people that i had heard of through doing gig photography and it just happened that warren was i think he was the first person that emailed me back and said, yes, come in for an interview. Subsequently, I did actually get um, interview offers for the other companies, but I'd already accepted Chuffs, so I stuck with that. I think that happened to me as well. I think I got uh, <laughs> I, I got in touch with Sony ATV off my own back to get an internship <laughs> there. And then via the university, they set us up with a universal internship and what's what but what's really funny is they offered me that I mean I am so cutting this out of this but hey ho <laughs> I they off so I accepted the the the, the internship at Sony mm. and I got offered the pretty much the same internship in the sync department at Universal yeah and because I turned it down it went to Luke <laughs> instead <laughs> and so yeah and and, well that's my point that like I turned down a position and Luke went career in Universal and I got to a point in so I probably had a better time during that particular internship of how integrated I got and all that sort of stuff but then it just ended 
yeah. there wasn't anything moving forward. But actually, Luke managed to, you know, he was moved into a different part of Universal and then stayed there and then stayed there. And but I think it's there. so easy to sort of look back on potential missed opportunities that you sort of think, oh, well, actually, if I'd done that, then I could have done this. But it might not have worked out that way. I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's you know, sliding doors moment, if anything. Yeah. That Absolutely. wonderful film. Great film. Really. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't get like mugged or hit by a train or whatever. <laughs> mugged by a train. Mugged by a train. <laughs> right, where am I at? Where am I at? Where am I at? Yes, so oh. you've talked to, uh, you've mentioned your current employers, Chuff Media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who are they? For those uninitiated, um, can you talk a little bit about who Chuff is? Um, I, I, I want to talk about PR in general separately, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, just a bit of a focal point on on where you have called home for the past ten years is is yeah. is in order. So Chuff Media is, I would say, we're probably the biggest regional press company. Um, there's not many of us that are dedicated just to doing regional, but we we are the the biggest in that respect. Yep. Um, touring and event PR company. Um, we look after press for everyone from Bring With Horizon and Bastille to Katy Perry and Lady Gaga. We're very specialised um, with what we do with the artist front of things. So we look after, as I previously mentioned, the regional press, which is basically everything that's outside of the M25. So if someone goes on tour to Manchester, we'll make sure that all of the Manchester press knows that they're coming, mm-hmm. that they've got review tickets, that they've got the assets to do previews that, you know, if we can do, we'll sort, you know, into features, you know, access to the artist. And then on the other side of things, we also do a lot of events. So um, I look after the press for Newmarket Nights, which is a summer series at Newmarket Racecourse. And they, um, we have artists such as, you know, Tom Jones, The Script, Ollie Murs. They basically is like a, a day of racing and then there'll be that concert in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been doing that for the past five or six years, I think it is. But with that, we'll do 360 degrees. So we'll do the TV, radio, national, all of basically everything for those events. So the company is very much sort of a company of two halves, but it didn't start off like that. It started off very much as being regional. And then it's just been sort of a natural progression that mm-hmm. it's um, become this sort of much, much bigger thing than it was to begin with. <laughs> You've mentioned a few artists there, and I'm mm-hmm. actually, I'm having a look at, at your roster now. Um, you've, you, you mentioned Bring Me The Horizon. There's mm-hmm. other kind of heavy metal artists on here like Beartooth and stuff like that. And then you've got yeah. Bastille and that's sort of, so there, there, there's, there's quite an eclectic mix yeah. of artists. So mm-hmm. I guess for, for a company of your top, is, is the focus on your understanding of regional press rather than your understanding of a particular area of the music industry or a particular genre of music where, that maybe other co- companies might focus on more? Yeah, so it, I guess that's probably one of the biggest differences between national press and regional press in terms of if you look at a national PR's roster, quite often they will um, specialise in a particular genre. Um, so they might be a brilliant rock PR um, right. or they might do really good for indie pop or that sort of ilk. Whereas what we do, 
it's more focused on our relationships that we have because at the end of the day if you've got a band that's going to go on tour in Birmingham it doesn't really matter that whether they're a rock band whether they're a pop star as long as they're a good artist and they're relevant to the area then that's basically where we come into our own um but obviously not just looking after the newspapers and the magazines we look after the online sites that are by, you know, all the music loving fans that have set up their own websites. Like when I was saying with Organised Sound earlier, you know, we look after all of those and a lot of those will be specialised. But I think it's just, if as long as you're a good PR, you know how to, uh, I mean, in, in quotation marks, sell an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> guess because it it's, it's uh, the world of PR, obviously it, it comes up a lot especially for emerging acts, it's kind of like, right, to get to that next level, I need a PR person. Yeah. But there's not a PR person. It's not one PR person. There's lots of different areas. And for the uninitiated yeah. in there, you kind of, you think, well, if I get a PR person, then they can elevate me. It's like, well, it depends on what you're trying to, what you're asking them to do for you and mm. what they're able to do for you. And I guess, yeah, so what you're saying is, is that that kind of national level PR, which is which is more publication focused. Yeah, it's it's more about right. I'm I'm going to specialize in a particular genre because we've we're building up the relationships with particular publications. Yes, so you might have a. I mean, this is obviously broadly speaking because there are some amazing national PRs out there that do have a very eclectic roster. Right. But you will find it more often with national PRs that you know they'll have a great relationship with Kerrang or yeah something like that and then chances are if you're an, an up-and-coming rock band you might think actually I'm going to go with them because they've got that act on their roster and we know that they've got a good relationship with those sort of publications whereas with regional it's different because of the fact that you're mainly looking for well firstly you need a PR that understands you we're very fortunate in the position with Chuff that we will only take on acts that we are genuinely passionate about and we think are going to do really well so it means that when we do um, bring on a new artist that no one's really heard of and we phone up our contacts and we're sort of you know figuring out a plan of where we want to place them it means that when we contact them they have the confidence in us knowing well actually if Chuff Media is saying that this artist is tipped for big things and we should cover them then chances are we probably should cover them yeah. because we've just got a very good track record of saying this is this is where you should be placing your artist this is what you, why you should be covering them I guess because you've you're the ones that are building up the relationships you know people are paying you because of the the trust and the clout that you have in those places which will enable those artists yeah. to get the column inches that they're looking for that's kind of the point isn't it yeah absolutely and also because of the fact that we are very fortunate with the roster that we have um it's not like we're sort of trying to squeeze in an artist that actually if you listen to it you know it's not that good like we we're not going to be as I just said previously, we're not going to be pitching out and doing PR for artists that we don't truly believe in and we're not passionate about. Like, you know, we'll sit in the office, well, when we could sit in offices <laughs> and just listen to our artists' music like all day because it's genuinely like really good stuff and you get passionate about it. And I guess it's that way as well that not only do you build up the relationships with um, the publications, you build up the relationships with the artists as well because you want to go to the gigs and you want to go and yeah, yeah. you know see them live and do this and that.
what's your jam at the moment? What's on your Spotify? What are you <laughs> listening to? You know what? I miss. I listen to a, a massive eclectic mix, which makes sense really considering the roster that we have yeah. um i've been listening to a lot of machine gun kelly okay who's, who's an artist that i've um i do the pr for when he tours because he's an international artist it works slightly different because when it's a domestic artist and they're from the uk you work far closer with them because they tour a lot yeah. they've got a hometown in the uk yeah. so chances yeah. are you're doing phoners here and there someone like machine gun kelly he will come and tour the uk you know, every other year. And so I'll see him at Brixton Academy and I'll sort out photo passes and things like that. But I don't build up as much a relationship with an international artist as you do over here. But I think his last album is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And there's a new artist I've been listening to called Gracie, who signed to Polydor. And I, I think she's going to end up doing quite big things this year. And she's really exciting. And what got you in to music? You mentioned Busted. What mm. was the stuff that you were listening to back in the day? You, you before, know, lot... before you had an eclectic, because nobody grows up having an eclectic no. uh, music taste. <laughs> you know, what's quite strange is the fact that like you always hear people answer this question and they say like, oh, I got, I was brought up on all this music because like my mum like, listened to it. And my mum was not like that at all. My mum would listen to what I was listening to. So I started off, I guess, like most people that were born in 1990 loving Westlife. And then it sort of grew into Busted. And then a lot of the bands that I ended up liking from Busted is, you know, I would see one of them wearing a T-shirt for like Jimmy Eat World. And then I'll be like, I don't know who, who Jimmy Eat World are. So, and then I would look, look at them. And then all the way through, I guess, my teenage years, I was very much a pop punk kid. Okay. Except for liking McFly, which was one of my other big loves of <laughs> that sort of time period. I was very much into like Newfound Glory, all-time low like those sort of artists uh -huh. and then it was only really when we went to university and you'll go to the forum and you would hear all this other music that you sort of had to learn it really quickly <laughs> but do you still like you know when when a band like that appears on the list at chuff mm. media do you go yes yes <laughs> massively if you look at our roster if they're a rock band 80 percent of the time i will be working them there's only a few that I won't, but that's more because of the fact that my boss will claim them before I can get to them. <laughs> Either that or he's got the existing relationship. So yeah, um, yeah. Twin, like Twin Atlantic, he's worked for, I think probably as long as Twin Atlantic have been a band for. Okay. So I would love to work Twin Atlantic, but I, I wouldn't dare take them off, off Warren. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about PR in general then. So what was it like at first, when you first got into it, when you were a complete novice, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, it, during that internship, what were you being asked to do? Uh, what did you find really hard? Um, what did you find really easy? Mm. Let's kind of go through your evolution within PR. I found it terrifying. Because going from being a student at university, um, not really, you know, you're pretty much new to the world, aren't you? Like, it's where you meet like loads of new people that are, you know, like the same sort of things as you, but you're still, I mean, for me anyway, I was still quite shy, but I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And 
being talkative and outgoing does not come naturally to me and I've had to work at it for a very long time to the point hopefully people don't really notice the fact that I'm very much an introvert so when I first started at Chuff I think one of the first things that um I was tasked to do was just to phone some publications and you know check up on things or you know pitch for things but the whole process of actually like phoning up these people that I didn't know talking about something that I was fairly new at doing was terrifying but I think it was so important to go through that when you're interning Mm -hmm. because the only way that you can improve and you can grow as a person is to do something that's scary and that's different and terrifying because if you're always in your comfort zone and you're not going to grow so yeah. it, it was I think it's very different now because obviously if someone phones you now you're probably thinking oh what's wrong what's going what's going on yeah, who, who phones who uses yeah, a phone it, in 2020 exactly whereas I guess you've got to sort of bear in mind that I was interning in 2010 so back then it was a case that if you wanted to pitch something to someone chances are you wouldn't send an email first, you'd pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And the I think one of the stark differences as well between national and regional, which has actually become into our own during COVID, is national, the relationships you build by um, going to the pub or, go, or taking them to a gig. And you build your network and the relationships with the publications by meeting them and taking them for dinner and hosting them. Yep. Whereas re- regional, we've never been able to do that unless we go to for example glasgow with one of our artists so you have to learn early doors to get over your fear of picking up the phone or Mm -hmm. speaking to people that you don't know because that's how you're going to build a rapport and relationships with people because you can't just say let's you know go for a lunch and discuss these artists the only way you can sort of do it is by emailing or by phoning did you come into any sticky situations with that you know you obviously and i've been in that position myself whereby you don't want to you don't want to call someone up that you've never met before but actually you do it and you realize oh they're they're nice people they're helpful people (laughs) they're not gonna suddenly tear me to shreds on the phone but every now and again we stumble over something or we cock up in some way (laughs) shape or form was there any you know have did that happen in those early days and how did you get over that i think i learned quite early on that if someone was a bit short to me a bit rude to me on the phone chances are it wasn't anything that i had done i just phoned at the wrong time and that they've probably been having a busy day or have been having something else going on and the last thing that they want is like an intern or a junior person to phone them up and pitch them something so but the, there was there's obviously definitely hiccups that you have especially when you're new to scenarios especially for example if you're connecting phoners and you don't put them on mute so that you can hear everything that's happening in the office nice. there's there's always <laughs> there's always going to be things like that that happen uh-huh. but it's nothing that you can't get over and i think especially in sort of my first couple of years doing pr i would overthink and i would dwell on everything that went wrong right. whereas actually it happens to everyone and it's nothing really to worry about. But yeah. at the time, you don't think that at all. And what about some of the, on, on the other side of things, you know, during those really early, early months, what were some of the awesome moments when you, when you just nailed the thing that you, were, that you were trying to do for the very first time? And how did that feel? So I worked um, a bank called Lawson for Polydor. Um, I worked their first two albums. 
I think their first album, they had something like four top ten singles. So they were really big at the time. They had supported The Wanted. Yep. And I went up to Glasgow with them um, and took them into um, the Daily Record and the Sunday Mail in Scotland. And at that time, they had showbiz pages. So similar to the Sun's Bazaar pages, they were called. it was called The Raz. And this was Lawson's first time in Glasgow doing press. We sort of made them, I say made them, had them do a takeover of the pages. And then, which went really well, and they charmed the socks off of everyone on the team, and it felt like we had done a really good job. And then the next day, I picked up the copy of the paper, and they were on the front cover. The whole of the top of the paper was them. Like, you know, just above the splash of the headline. And I think that was sort of like a, a real moment where you actually sort of I thought, we've done a good job here because you can't get that sort of coverage mm -hmm. unless the papers built a rapport with the artist because yeah. it was it's such an unprecedented thing to have happened because normally showbiz stories will stay within the showbiz papers, but the fact that they got put on the front cover of um, the newspaper and you know that get, the readership was over a million, and then you sort of think actually. I can do this. This is actually a really fulfilling job and I'm really enjoying this and let's let's see where this goes. What is it about PR that and doing PR uh, that gets you up in the morning that you really, really like about it? And is are there still things about it that you have to prepare yourself for and, and, and push yourself into? I think one of the benefits of doing um, the regional side of things for artists is you're involved in the artists, you're involved in the campaigns, you play a very integral part, but you're not directly in the firing line. So, you know, it's not like we're the manager or the national PR or the marketing manager where uh -huh. if something terrible went wrong, chances are there's a lot of people before us before we'll be the full people for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a low stress job because there are certain parts of it that are very stressful. But I think it's, I think it's kind of like, um, if you're like making a film, you've got the director and you've got the producer or something. We're kind of like the people that do sort of like the special effects. <laughs> so like we're the, we're the people that, <laughs> that like, if we weren't there, it would be really obvious. But you know, we're not the people that are going to be going to the awards to pick up the gongs. <laughs> Unless they're special effects gongs. Unless they're regional press gongs. I've, Surely I've there's a regional press award ceremony. I've somewhere. been waiting for a regional press award to happen for such a long time. But then <laughs> we've just come to the conclusion that the reason why there isn't one is because we would just win it every year and it kept boring for everyone else. Nice. Yeah, it's done. It's done. <laughs> and from that, as a PR person, what, what is it that you need? as a you know to be good in PR whether that's regional whether that's national whether that's print whether that's mm. online or anything like that I'm guessing there's some broad things that people in PR kind of need in their locker to do any of that stuff um, yeah what are the they first thing that I would say would probably be to have a lot of patience 
there's a lot of waiting around, especially I presume if you're doing a national PR when you're waiting for people to arrive <laughs> or even waiting to get emails from your inbox or waiting to, you know, receive that biography or that asset from the label. But then also I think one of the, the other key thing of being a good PR is being able to talk to people and actually having a passion about what it is that you're doing. Because I've said all along, if you're not passionate about an artist, there's no, unless you're a brilliant actor, there's no way you can convincingly portray that to someone else. Yeah, it's, it's um, quite a, it's something that I've heard from a number of people in a number yeah. of different roles. You know, if you, if you don't believe in what you are selling, you can't sell it. If you genuinely believe in what you are doing, the fact yeah. that you, you know, that, that, that little voice that you've meant, that, that we talked about, that little voice that, that tells you, oh, you can't talk to that person on the phone. What if this happens? Yeah. Oh, I've never done this before. It gets quieter because you go, well, I want to I want to shout about this person because they, yeah. they, uh, they, they deserve it. People need to know about them. Yeah, that's totally it. And then obviously the third is being able to multitask because you're, and you're never in your career going to have a point where you're working one artist and you're speaking to one publication. If you're working one artist, chances are you're speaking to 30 publications. If you're working 10 artists, that can go tenfold. Actually so, being able to know what you're doing, being able to keep on top of everything, um, I think is really underrated, but it's such a key thing to be able to do. So has there been a time genuinely when you've had 10 different artists projects on the go at one time and yes. so you are juggling and i mean are you are you working your your what you're doing around that so if you've got if you're making a call to a certain publication are you talking to them about a few a few bands at any given time or yeah. and all that sort of stuff so you are kind of juggling or spinning a lot of plates juggling a lot of balls whichever uh, metaphor absolutely. you absolutely but the benefit of i guess what we do is because the fact that the um, a lot of the campaign focus will be around touring. And so you can be working 10 artists concurrently, whereas, you know, it could be a case of that person's got an album release here, but then they're touring in March, but then that other tour starts at the beginning of April. The type, You can work those amount of artists, but when they actually overlap in a sense, you could have five artists on tour at the same time, which equals, you know, sorting out five different sets for guest lists each day, making sure that there's, you know, five different artists doing interviews during yeah. the days of the show days. That's when being able to be organised and know what you're doing. Because the last thing that you want is say that you've got an artist playing at the Hydro in Glasgow and you send them the guest list for um, Ports of Pyramids. <laughs> so actually sort of being able to juggle and no way you're sort of putting things. That's such a key thing to be able to do. I mean, there's always going to be mistakes because everyone's human. There's always going to be something that goes wrong somewhere along the lines. Yeah. Whether it's a case that you've misspelled someone's name and there's an overzealous box office <laughs> staff member, or it's a case that you know you sent across the press um, the um, the list and unfortunately maybe the tour manager hadn't been able to check their emails yet that day, so then it didn't get on the door. But so so this I guess what what you're talking about here is you're talking about getting journalists into the show mm -hmm. so they can do the reviews so they could do the features yeah. doing the logistical stuff saying right telling them 
your artist is performing in their town and basically saying, go go to the show, you're on the list already, blah, 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 blah. And then following up with that and everything everything around there. We, we've spoken a little bit in the past about kind of the strategy behind what the press should be. And obviously there's there's some fairly standard stuff, new release, get a review, uh, a, a show, get them to the show, doing that. But how, how much incorporate into that juggling of projects are you also coming up with ideas about what what the regional press people should be should be talking about you know what what they should be running or do you kind of leave that to them it's a tricky one because it varies act to act and it depends on what they're doing because if an artist is um touring and there's sort of you know a particular moment that's happening chances are that's going to be something that's been like a a managerial decision and then we basically get told that it's happening and therefore you know we portray that to press but then there'll be a flip side of things where for i think i mentioned before with bring me the horizon when they um performed in manchester we got them a cover of big issue in the north because they're a sheffield band and it covered that whole area and because they did that cover with them they had vendors outside their show selling the copies and then also with collection buckets and then I guess that in itself sort of became a bit of a story because um, the band were doing such an amazing thing. And that was off of their back rather than necessarily us. We were almost, we were basically the people that made the connections and then it almost sort of snowballed but in, yeah, a, in yeah. a way itself. But obviously we'll um, help out with different directions of features and, you know, just help decide sort of different ways that things can go. But overall, what we, the majority of what we do is focused on you know, touring with, you know, that person comes to that place and the story in itself is the fact that they're visiting the area mm-hmm. or, you know, they're releasing an album and this is the story behind the album, but we don't necessarily pick out what is the interesting point within that album that is this talking point that we need to talk about. But that would be something that maybe a national PR or a manager would do. Okay. And I guess you're all, for the, for, for the most part, you are all kind of talking to each other, labels... Yes managers maybe even national prs and you you're all making sure that you're not crossing over and and doing all that sort of stuff yeah it's all cogs in a machine yeah like you know you obviously you've got the key players and you sort of have like the supporting people that are sort of at the sides well we'll kind of start to wrap things up a little yeah. bit now i've got kind of one area of questioning which is more about kind of when how pr can get involved in artists you've you've you know chuff is a company that works predominantly with fairly sizable artists mm-hmm. uh but not exclusively yeah. you've already said today uh that you know when you're deciding on if you should be working or if you want to be working with someone who's on the up and come on the up and up um you know that you'll get involved if you really like them and things like that um kind of two questions when do you guys tend to get involved you know is there a certain level that you only get involved in or or would you get involved in something for someone who is completely diy and proper proper early doors 
And the other, on the, on the, the other side of the fence there is that from your professional p opinion, when is the best time for an act, for a manager who's working with an act coming up to engage with PR in general? So speaking from, I guess, the perspective, the perspective of Chuff Media is we've got um, the massive benefit of the fact that because we're an independent company, we work with a lot of the major labels. You know, we can work with independent artists um, and we can almost sort of like package a plan depending on where that artist is in time. Because obviously if you're being brought on to do the press for a Katy Perry tour, it's going to be very different to if you have an independent artist contact you and say, look, I've created a team, I've got a national PR involved, I've got a radio plugger, this is a timeline going forwards, I've got um, this album coming out, I've got these singles coming out, I've got this tour. Is there something you could do with it? Oh, by the way, I'm from Devon or something, or something like that. Yeah. Then you can get involved. It doesn't mean a case that they have to have a label backing or you know, we have to say that they've come from a major label. But you have said they have to have something. You've actually yeah. said quite a lot there. You know, it's not just, okay, I'm, you know, I've got a, f a couple of, I've got a thousand followers on Facebook and Spotify and, you know, I just need to get some PR because that's what a lot of people would think. I'll just get myself some PR. I'll pay some money, get yeah. myself some PR, and then that will elevate that side of things. What you've actually said was, you know, you kind of need lots of lots of things in place for it to really be meaningful and work but you've from an artist perspective you have to think slightly from the point of view of um why is this newsworthy what's my story yeah um because as we were saying like you could have a thousand followers on instagram like that's that's great but from our perspective because we're sort of all we're almost the final cog, but sometimes we can be the first people that get press. So there's been artists that we've worked before that, you know, are signed to major labels or are independent where there's not really been much traction online or nationally. Whereas the first pe people that be writing about them will be um, their hometown papers or, you know, small local website. Yeah. And then you can start building up a level of press. And I think I've sort of mentioned before um, with Lawson, one of the first things that sort of we did because no one had really heard of them before or at least because the name is so broad um we did a lot of chats with like students online magazines and it just meant that when you typed in lawson into google it meant it came up with the band's name and then loads of interviews and features that they had done which therefore it means that if you're um, a radio station and you put that name into google you can see that they've done quite a lot of different things so if you're starting out as an artist um even not necessarily with bringing PR on board, engage your local fans and create sort of like an interesting news story because going back to sort of, you know, a few decades ago, labels will pay attention because they'll be like, oh, there's this great new band that's out of Manchester. Manchester are going wild for it. And that's still kind of how it is because yeah. a band can get really big in their local area and then that can sort of expand. Whereas you're not going to, you know, you can have a great song, but you're not going to get playlisted on Radio 1 just off of having a good track. I mean, it, it happens, but very rarely. You need to be, the PR or the plugger needs to be able to explain a story and why it is that it's happening. You know, and especially like even with us like starting from the beginning of like speaking to the local papers, 
we'd have to sort of like say to them like why this is an interesting person from their local area that's doing well that's you know and why they should almost have sort of hometown ownership over them because they know that in six months in a year's time they're going to be big and that's sort of the benefit that we have because we do have the relationships with these publications they trust us and they know you know what if jenny or warren is saying this then chances are we're they are actually going to be good. Mm. So we're going to, you know, do a, a bigger splash on this. Smash in. I think that'll do us. Sweet. Massive thank you there to Jen for chatting to me. Uh, we had to reschedule a few times due to other commitments, but we got there in the end. Um, if you would like to check out any of the things that she's mentioned, please do have a look at the links in the description uh, below. If you would like to get in touch with me, uh, please do so via uh, Twitter at Danny Champion or via Instagram at Dan M Champion or send me an email at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. My background, for those of you who don't know this, my background is very much in working with songwriters, uh, in music publishing, and also in synchronization. So if any artists, any artist managers or anything like that are listening out to some of these things and want to get in touch with me to ask me about those sorts of bits and pieces, please do so. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening to these, and I hope to do a few more later on this year. Thank you very much.